Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, podcast? It's Corey from Best Served. Today's podcast is a clubhouse recording called How to Prevent Burnout and Overworking. There is a lot of personal stories on burnout, some advice on managing it, and tools to help you cope and navigate your own personal and professional life. Hope you enjoy. I'm Chef Mimi Lan, and I do multi-sensory five-course pop-up dinners, elevating Vietnamese cuisine um, with a twist. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We are in the How to Prevent Burnout Room for Hospitality Industry to honor Mental Health Awareness Month. This room is organized by Chef Jensen Cummins and is being recorded for Best Served Podcasts, which will air this Tuesday at noon Eastern time. We will open the floor uh, for people to share and, and have questions later. However, if you don't want your share segments to be recorded, just DM Chef Jensen or myself to let us know and we won't include you in the podcast. This room is hosted under Hospitality and More Club. You see that greenhouse at the top? Please tap on that to follow the club to see more of these rooms in your hallway. But also follow all of the moderators here because we might have other clubs and, and we might mod other, other rooms. Um, also check out the audience bios to see who resonates with you to follow as well. That's what this app is all about, the connections that we make. Our hand-raising feature is open, um, so click on the hand-waving icon at the bottom right of, uh, of your screen if you want to speak while on stage. If you like anything that someone says, tap on your mic quickly a few times to show your appreciation. We would love it if you could click on the plus icon at the bottom to invite more people into the room to find value or contribute value to the room. I'm Chef Mimi Lan, and I'm done setting the room. The floor is yours again, Chef Jensen. I mean, you're so good at that. I'm the worst at, like, hitting all of the uh, check marks, so thank you for that. Uh, real quick, want to just uh, touch on uh, Best Served, Best Served Creative, Best Served Podcast, our mission to amplify the worth and work of people who feed their communities, which is everybody who's here in this room, everybody who commits themselves to being a farmer to being an educator to being a chef to being a bartender anywhere and everywhere in between and so truly an honor to be able to host these kind of rooms and thanks to Lacey and the crew with uh, hospitality more for allowing us to host this room and uh, we also have a club best served fmb creative so definitely go check that out if you're not a member uh, become a member, nominate other members if you are, so that we can continue to uh, bring awareness and impact and meet more people. The more conversations that we have, I think the better off we are in this industry. And today is a, a perfect example of that. Uh, just to kind of break down a little of the run of show for you, uh, I'm going to have just here in a moment, have each of the panels introduce themselves just really quick so you know who you'll be hearing from throughout this. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, Get a little definition of burnout so we understand what we're talking about here because it's such a 
potential for a broad category, and I think we want to know what we are discussing. We're going to have four areas of discussion that we're going to get into because uh, there's just too much to cover just in an hour, hour and 15 minutes that we'll be here today. And we will, again, allow for hand raising because we want to hear from you uh, directly. And we're going to have a ton of resources, tools that uh, that you can use in your personal day-to-day life or for your business. And those will be linked up in the uh, podcast episode that will be on Best Served Podcast. You can find us on Anchor or anywhere you get your podcast. And as Mimi mentioned, Tuesday at noon p.m. Eastern, uh, that'll be up and people can start to uh, use some of those resources. We hope that uh, that brings some value. This is all about discussion and uh, creating a safe space for that, as well as being able to take action coming out of this. So go around and have each of the uh, panelists introduce themselves quickly. Uh, Tara, we'll start with you. We'll just kind of go around the table here. Thank you, Chef. Um, my name is Tara McKinney. Um, I am now known as the Weed Gourmand. I've started my own business, but I have served several years in the restaurant industry. I have done everything from being a dishwasher in a diner to managing um, a fine dining restaurant in D.C. So I have um, 16 years now of experience off and on and can definitely give everybody a good front of house perspective on things. And I am complete. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, Mimi, go ahead. Expand. I know you gave the initial, but go for it. I I quickly introduced myself before, but let me just uh, give you a little bit more of that. I do multi-sensory five-course pop-up dinners, elevating Vietnamese cuisine by using traditional Vietnamese recipes combined with my mission star training and influences from my global travels to create a modern Vietnamese cuisine with a twist. Thank you. Laura, go ahead. Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Laura Louise Green. I am a licensed professional counselor and in Chicago, Illinois. I've um, you know, been in the hospitality industry for nearly uh, two decades. I almost said 20 decades, but I meant two decades um, in various roles from management and hosting and serving front of house, bartending primarily. And then I moved over to other areas of the drink drinks industry, like brand work and distribution. But um, yeah, I'm a licensed professional counselor and my focus is the hospitality industry. So I've moved out of working directly in the industry and now have a consultation company called Healthy Poor, where I work with businesses and organizations and brands to help their organizations be healthier and start addressing some of these issues that are impacting the hospitality industry in ways that are unmanageable. So thank you. I'm done speaking. Dr. Katrina, please tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina, and I am a mental health professional therapist in the state of Louisiana. I have several um, business um, on the side. I have a nonprofit organization called Crown for a Cause. I've been in mental health for 11 years. Um, uh, this is a big um, aspiration for me to be the advocate of mental health awareness. And I think uh, the topic that we have is very uh, you know, important to talk about when we need to um, prevent burnouts. I am done talking for now, and I'm Dr. Katrina. Tuto Tavares, please tell us about yourself. Hello, everybody. Um, peace and blessings be upon you all. My name is Tuto Taveras. I come from the island of Dominican Republic in the Caribbean. Um, I have been um, a music production and engineer for 30 plus years. Um, 
I also, uh, and, and in that field, I've been almost any every part of it, um, songwriting, composing, arranging, and producing. Um, about 15 years ago, I got the spiritual bug and got myself into seminary. And that's where my, 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 my uh, words will be today in regarding to human consciousness and evolution. And that's my, that's my bug and my thing. So every, everything I can do here to help, you can count on me. Thank you, Tuto. And Hassel, please. Last but not least, Hassel, tell us about yourself. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. My name is Hassel Avilas. I am the co-founder and executive director of Not 9 to 5. And for anyone who doesn't know, we're a nonprofit uh, leader in mental health advocacy for the food service sector. And we do this through practical education and meaningful community building. I am, um, you know, someone who has experienced burnout. So this is a really close topic to my heart. I'm really grateful to be here. I think it's so important that we keep having these conversations so we can keep reimagining this industry and break stigmas um, and fuel people with hope. So anyone who's in the room, thank you for joining. And I'll pass it back to you, Jensen. Appreciate that. Yeah, burnout is something many of us know well. Uh, myself included. So I think this is going to be a, a discussion that has broader meaning and very personal meaning a lot of times simultaneously. So this is an important conversation. Laura, I wanted to have you help us define burnout a little bit, because I think it's something that we throw around thinking that we know what that means. And uh, we, I think we have varying degrees of expectation. Burnout. What are we talking about here? Yeah, okay. So burnout is a rather complex situation, first of all. I have not come across or even developed a definition that I'm especially happy with. So I hope you'll bear with me as um, I talk through first what it maybe isn't and then then what it is. So burnout is is you know Jensen you're absolutely right is a term that's definitely thrown around quite a bit and i often find that people sit when they say burnout what they're referring to is maybe feeling um you know stressed out or overworked or depleted or tired or exhausted and all of those and here's the tricky part all of those feelings and experiences are part of burnout, but they aren't necessarily burnout. So when burnout happens, it's because we are giving some part of ourselves more than we're able to refill that part of ourselves. So that could be the time that we could get that we give. That can be, um, you know, emotional, like putting our emotional life into something that we're not able to refill um that could be having skill sets that aren't utilized or appreciated within the workspace that could be working on a relationship with a partner more than they're meeting you with it um, all of those things start to result in burnout which is a syndrome so it's not even necessarily a feeling or a one-off experience it's a syndrome that comes and lasts over a long period of time and has multi steps within it. So the first indication that you might be experiencing burnout 
is that exhaustion? Is that are those feelings of depletion and um, just, you know, just being tired and just not, you know, not being able to focus. So that's the first step. And then as burnout moves forward, we move into a space of cynicism and dehumanization and bitterness. So that's when you're at work and you start to become like just really disillusioned about what you're doing. It might have been like your your job might be something that you were really passionate about. And then you come to work and you're just like, oh, God, I hate being here. I don't like this. I don't like any of these people. Um, you know, you start to feel that bitterness set in and you don't get the joy or fulfillment that you once did from the work that you were doing or the relationship that you're in. You know, those feelings of resentment start to come in. And then the last phase um, that happens is becoming apathetic and um, unable to achieve and perform in the way that you once were able to. So it all culminates into this place of, you know, kind of uh, an emotional, an emotional dullness that comes in and, um, you know, not, and just not performing very well. Like it takes six hours to do a project that at one point in your career maybe took two hours that you aren't motivated anymore to try. Um, there was a researcher that called burnout the erosion of the soul. And that is something that I think is, first of all, that cuts me like a knife every time I say it, because it's, it just, it, I, you can kind of like feel that in your body. Right. And you know what that feels like, but that's, that's really what's happening is you lose the joy of what it is that you once had joy for. So all of that being said, when you think about burnout, think of it more of like, I mean, my company is called Healthy Pour, and it's because I'm so fascinated by burnout. It's helping you pour from a full cup. So understanding that burnout happens when you are giving more than what you're getting back. So that could be like putting in a lot of hours at work without appreciation, without it being acknowledged. Um, you know, but on the other hand, it also means that you could put a lot of hours in at work and have that acknowledged, get fulfillment from it, you know, experience praise, get back what you're putting in and you wouldn't experience burnout. And that's the difference that I think is notable between experiencing stress and experiencing burnout because you can be stressed and not have burnout, but you can't really have burnout without the stress. So I hope that clears up a little bit about what burnout is and what we're talking about. Um, but all of those other things like stress and depletion, those are contributing factors to experiencing burnout syndrome. Okay. I think I'm done speaking now. That's it. <laughs> yeah. More clarity and more confusion. Uh, and I think that's, that's the deal with this. That's what we are taking on the responsibility to put ourselves in a position to speak on this, to reflect on it personally. As you're talking about those, I have a visceral reaction to all of those phases because I've lived it and I've, I still feel it and it still nags at me constantly. And then also to, to zoom out, it's what we see playing out at mass scale right now in the volatility and what's happening in this, uh, you know, food, beverage, hospitality world nationwide. So I think that's part of what we're going to address. And to, to lay that groundwork a little bit, we're going to talk about four specific areas and have the panelists here speak on it a little bit. And again, hand raising will be open. So we'll find some moments where uh, we can invite somebody up on stage to give some context of your personal stories or to ask questions of the panelists. But those four areas 
really our employer responsibility. How are we building uh, workplaces worth working? And how do we define that? And what are we thinking about? And what do we need to be paying attention to? And then a lot of those resources we'll be sharing on the podcast will be uh, places that you can find those boundaries. Boundaries is a big one. Every worker that we've interacted with, hundreds and hundreds of them, boundaries one of the top uh, pain points when it comes to impacting burnout. We're gonna talk also about checking in. How do we check in with ourselves? How do we check in with our coworkers? How do we check in uh, with our teams professionally and personally? Uh, something that we don't navigate very well. And then something else that has come up a lot is kind of the lifestyle. What's the lifestyle? Um, you know, I heard when I heard uh, Laura talking a little bit, I think of that, the pervasiveness of the tough guy, tough gal mentality and, and how we uh, break that down a little bit. The brigade system, we've been talking about that a lot. Uh, the, the dependence on substances to get through a shift, to get through uh, that next day. So those are a couple of areas that we're going to talk about. First, I want to go through each of the panelists and just get either a personal story or kind of your high-level thinking, hot take, whatever it might be when we're just the first thoughts that you have, the first thing you want to share. Just maybe take, you know, 117 seconds, just lay the groundwork for a little bit, and then we'll talk about these topics and open up the discussion. But uh, Tara, if you want to kick us off there. Thank you, Chef. Um, yeah, burnout is huge. And, you know, the biggest issue that I always had was when I saw either myself burn out or others burn out, um, the, the management and the owners just didn't care because for them, it was always about the money. So, you know, we, we'd be doing triple double shifts, you know, three days in a row of 13 hour shifts from lunch and dinner on the weekends. And then he did never realized, you know, Hey, you can't do that. And then expect them to come in and work another five days in a row like that after one day off, it's not enough time. Um, and yeah, definitely it's the substance abuse um, that so many of us use, whether it's alcohol or Coke or, you know, there's so many things that people use that plays such a major role. And with so many people who have addictions uh, issues um, and try to hide it and try to work their way through it, that to me is, is one of the biggest hurdles I think that we're going to have to address. So thank you for letting me share. Appreciate that. Mimi, for you, what's the what's the first thing that comes to mind for you when we're talking about burnout? Well, um, thank you, Chef. I feel like we are in a very unique profession and that um, no matter how we feel inside, we're supposed to suppress it and put on a happy face if we work in the front of the house. And we're supposed to toughen it up in the back of the house. So all of this sweeping under the rug is not solving anything but continue to fester until we can't take it anymore. As for me, uh, I'm an empath. So my challenge is always about um, setting boundaries for myself and for others. And as an empath, I always want to help people. But I learned that helping people is not the same as being involved in their drama. And I have to remind myself not to take on the weight of the world that, um, you know, it, it's been the root of a lot of my problems. Um, when I thought I was helping the underdog, but ended up, uh, you know, biting me in the butt. And there might be complicated layers and hidden agendas from people that I didn't know before coming in to um, think that I'm helping the situation. So learning to take a step back and intentionally choose to not be dragged into someone else's drama has helped save me, um, save my sanity and brought me more peace. 
So, um, you know, I have more to share. But I don't want to hog the mic, so uh, I'll talk more later. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, Dr. Katrina, you want to jump in and give us your thoughts on the topic? What I was saying, you know, we have to, sometimes we overwhelm ourselves in so much. And hopefully in the future, I'll be writing a book on how to prevent yourself from burning out uh, in your profession. And sometimes we have to touch bases. I, I can remember starting, you know, in my new job, I was burned out because I was like trying to keep up, trying to keep up this, keep up the clients and all that stuff. So when I did that, I just like, you know, I got to come up with a plan. It's always, you have to come up with time management. You also have, still have to take care of your, you have to use self-care and, you know, to help yourself to not be overwhelmed in uh, what you are doing. So that's basically what I wanted to touch up on uh, as being burned out. Um, I'm Dr. Katrina and I'm done for now. Thank you for that. Uh, Tuto, for you, highest level, what do we need to be thinking about when it comes to burnout? Well, you know, I feel like the outsider here because I'm not from the industry. But but that, the... That's why we need you here. Sometimes we get too close to it. That's absolutely <laughs> something that I think we're guilty of. Sometimes we say, well, if you haven't lived it, you don't know it. And the reality is if you're human, you've experienced the myriad of emotions. So we appreciate you coming with maybe open eyes and giving us some perspective. Well, I'm, I'm going to try humbly to do that, um, and probably the, it, it's it's going to be about telling how um, and at what point I stopped needing those drugs that all people mention, and and because I was there too, and 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 how the 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 recognition of that second voice inside of me um, made me more control of my life. I I wasn't a victim anymore and I've been empowered ever since and that's what I'm going to try to transmit today the that that two voices in you that you might not be recognizing and how to access them um, at will if I may yeah thank you for that Tito now your contribution is is much needed and much appreciated uh, that's the thing we need to do we can't can't circle the wagons anymore we can't hide behind the facade it's time to burn all of that down whatever that means for you if that's through the the empathy that you find and the forgiveness you find for yourself or for others or if it's engaging with people like it, it has to start and it starts in conversations like this so Tuto, i'm grateful for that uh so for you uh deep thinker on the on the topic obviously and having lived through so much of it now trying to impact those in the industry who are struggling with this so for you what uh top level what are you thinking about i have so many thoughts <laughs> um and so many experiences i've been diagnosed with burnout uh it is you know now being considered a medical condition like laura said it's a syndrome so oftentimes this word gets thrown around when it's not actually what's happening um or or the reverse happens where people are experiencing burnout and it's not getting diagnosed um you know having been someone that's experienced it twice though diagnosed um you know both times were very different once was from work and, you know, hospitality industry related work. Um, but another time was from being a new mom and I hadn't, uh, 
slept properly in over a year. So the extreme sleep deprivation ended up leading me and the lack of support in my life at that time led me to burnout. And, you know, I just want to highlight that both times I was really unaware that I was burnt out. It took, um, you know, external influences and people in my life kind of helping me get to the realization and also having the validation of hearing medical professionals tell me that that's what was happening um, was a really important part. I think oftentimes it's when you're in it, like you said, Jensen, sometimes when you're in it, it's really hard to recognize because you're so in it, you're too close to it. And so having like a someone from the outside kind of, you know, look at you with, with care and, and point some things out it was really, really important part for me. I think in this industry, we normalize and glamorize overwork. And we, um, there's also, you know, that attachment to also underpaying while overworking. So, you know, I think that just leads me to really, I just want to make sure that we really highlight what Laura was saying earlier, that, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions about burnout is that it's about managing solely from an individual from an individual place, from that it's your individual responsibility to manage. That's not entirely accurate. A big part of it is your organizational culture, the expectations in the workplace, the operating procedures. Um, to me, this is all something that often gets missed in restaurants, bars, hotels, any other hospitality outlet. Um, like, yes, self-advocacy is important. And yes, taking care of ourselves is key. But we can't dismiss the fact that you know, we can't ask people not to be human in the workplace and we can't set them up in environments where there's no, you know, safety and support and resources and adequate compensation as well. So those are my high level thoughts um, on burnout right now. Okay, we're going to talk a lot about the, uh, the responsibility personally and professionally. So appreciate that. Linda, I'm glad you could join us. Obviously, a a professional speaking on this topic, so let's get you into the conversation here. Uh, missed out on intro, so give us your 31-second intro, and then take a couple minutes and tell us high-level, when we're talking about burnout, what do we need to be thinking about? So my name is Melinda. Uh, I am a licensed alcohol and drug counselor and a peer recovery support specialist here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm also a chef. I've been in the industry for 25 years, and I am a founder of a group called Culinary Recovery, and I'm an outreach coordinator for Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness, a uh, nonprofit based out of Denver that supports industry professionals seeking uh, better mental health. So there's my 30-second intro. Uh, I do want to say hi to Tuto. Tuto, I love you, man, and I love everything you say. Uh, for those of you who don't know Tuto better, uh, he's actually facilitating some of our Spanish-speaking support groups through Latino Recovery Advocacy. And uh, he's just an amazing human being. I also want to give a shout out to um, Chef Mimi up there. I, I love what you had to say. and I'm going to piggyback on it a little bit. Uh, so as a person in long-term recovery and as a uh, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, I just really want to bring people's attention to the parallels between work addiction and uh, substance use uh, addiction. So uh, if you haven't heard about it, there's a scale called the Bergen Work Addiction Scale, and it's very similar to what the American Society of Addiction Medicine uses to evaluate whether or not an individual has a mild, moderate, or severe substance use disorder. And uh, there's seven questions that point to uh, your tolerance for work uh, as a means to manipulate your feelings. Uh, it talks about uh, relapse potential, speaking to whether or not you've tried to cut down and haven't been able to and return to a, a compulsive uh, way of working. It talks about withdrawal. 
Uh, and you know, every time I think about that, I, I recount times in my own professional career where if a, a superior had asked me to come in late for work so that I could you know, take some time off in the morning, just exactly what would happen to my central nervous system whenever that kind of thing would be suggested. Um, but uh, I, I just, you know, I have some really conflicted emotions about this because, of course, as a counselor, I see everything through the addiction lens, and I don't mean to paint everything with that brush, but what we're talking about when we say burnout, even the word burnout is a parallel to something we might use in, not politely, but that we might use for individuals who are suffering from substance use disorder, right? Like, what did we call people who smoked themselves out in the 80s? We called them burnouts, right? So when we talk about work, what do we talk, you know, what are we really talking about? We're talking about um, people who cannot control their use of work as a whatever, whatever they're self-medicating, whatever their, whatever feelings they may or may not be trying to avoid and, and so on and so forth. But to Mimi's point um, about not getting too wrapped up in other people's drama and even speaking to Tuto's point about, you know, uh, listening, are we listening to the victim voice or are we listening to the survivor voice? Uh, you know, do, are we allowing other people to be responsible for our feelings, right? And that goes to Jensen, your question about where does an employer's responsibility end? Uh, obviously, it is never anybody's job to uh, help us, fix us, change us, or alter our mood and, and how our mind works, right? But can an employer make an environment safe for us to do the work ourselves? And with that, I'll pass, thanks. Thanks for that. And I'll need you to share that scale with me because, again, for everybody, we are going to be having a, a ton of links and resources and, and tools for everyone to actually use because so often we have these conversations and I think we get buy-in potentially from people or we shift a paradigm for somebody and they say, but what the hell do I do now? Like taking that first step is so challenging. So, again, on Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time on the Best of Podcast on Anchor, wherever you get podcasts, this recording will be up for you to listen to. And in the descriptions, we'll drop a whole bunch of these links so that you can actually find these tools and resources. And let's go right into that employer responsibility. What is that expectation that we have? We know that we have – we just – Full stop, we have not been great in any way, shape, or form at supporting the mental health, often the physical health uh, of our employees throughout the life cycle of this industry. And so we want to talk about what we need to do moving forward. And so one of the interesting things, and this kind of feeds into lifestyle, which I think permeates all of this, and we've talked about substance abuse a little bit, we've talked about some, some of the uh, indicators for burnout, some of the things leading us towards burnout. But one of the things that gets thrown around a lot, and I was just dealing with this today, is if you don't like the industry, get out. And I hear this all the time, and it perpetuates this cycle of abuse. It's self-inflicted. We perpetuate it. And then you go often from being the oppressed to the oppressor in this very vicious cycle. So I want to open it up there a little bit with, does an employer have any responsibility? Because if you don't like it, you can leave and go work at Home Depot, or you can go work for Amazon. This is something I hear all the time. Uh, I think I'm hedging in the fact that you can probably guess the way that I feel about it, but I wanted to open that up and just throw a grenade in the room quick and say, this is the reality that we're going up against sometimes. So employer responsibility, I'm opening it up, please. Uh, you know, if somebody else opens up their mic first, go ahead and uh, concede the floor to them and, uh, and uh, keep our mics muted when somebody else is speaking and we'll open up to kind of a more open discussion. Anyone who want to jump in on employer responsibility? I, uh, 
<laughs> I hate to be double dipping here two, two times in a row, but, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to avoid the uh, Facebook threads uh, that start with that line, Jensen, the, uh, if you don't like it, you can get out. Um, and this might be hyperbolic, and I'm, I apologize in advance if this is going to trigger some people, but this is about the clearest way I can make the analogy is that statement alone is like saying, if you don't want your child shot at school, don't have a child right? Like there is a certain expectation we have of public places, whether that is a business or a restaurant or a school or things like that, where people are at least the very minimal is physically safe, right? Um, so I think when we start hearing statements like, if you don't like it, get out, what we're really dealing with, uh, we can only apply compassion toward. Uh, there's scientists, uh, medical doctors like Gabra Mate, who have done research on uh, the results of early childhood trauma and the effects of um, change on people. And so what we hear when we hear those voices, uh, we hear pushback because, uh, and again, okay, so a little bit of a clinical thing here through a clinical lens, anxiety is the result. It's the body's reaction to a real or perceived threat. So what we're hearing when people are pushing back on things like that, if you don't like it, you can get out is somebody perceiving a threat to their very existence, to their way of life, uh, when we are asking for change in the industry. And so through a compassionate lens, we can say, okay, uh, just bulldozing our way through isn't gonna work any better than them bulldozing their way over the people who are saying we need, we need help, right? So um, yeah, I, I would just say we, we could all use uh, some more listening sessions, more town halls, more episodes like this, where uh, even people who disagree with us deserve a platform. And with that, I'll pass. I'll jump in here. Um, uh, as a front of house person, and I've done, you know, all different kinds of restaurants, big, big name chefs to little diners. The biggest issue was definitely having any kind of empathy at all for your staff. Um, because you know what? We're human. We have bad days. Um, and you literally have, like, for me, the biggest example that I can give of just the heartlessness of them was I was pregnant. And at 26 weeks, my water broke that morning. Um, I had an incompetent cervix and I started leaking and I messaged my manager and said, hey, I can't come in. I'm, you know, in an ambulance going to the hospital. And her response was literally, have a nice life. And that hurt. And, and I, you know, I heard so many other horror stories of other people and servers and back of house too that have gone through that. And just, you know, when the managers just treat you as, you know, somebody that is just so disposable. And if, you know, if you're someone like me who's passionate about what you do, that literally just destroys not only your passion to work, but just it hits you personally and it's hard to not take it personally. We need at least a little bit of empathy. Yeah, you don't need to hear the whole story. You don't need to get into all the drama, but at least hear your people out when they're crying or you see them frustrated or just, you know, knocking everything over one day. Just pull them aside and say, hey, are you okay? Sometimes for some people who may be on the brink of suicide, that makes all the difference. And so, yeah, I agree. Listening is the biggest thing we need management and owners to start doing. I absolutely agree. I, I think active listening is one of the most important skills that we can develop um, 
as leaders or as employees or just as human beings. I think people underestimate the power of active listening skills. And, you know, that's listening to understand, not to respond. It's listening without judgment, without shame. It's listening with your mind and body, uh, without being on your phone while someone's speaking and sharing. I think active listening can absolutely save lives. I think it would definitely change the workplace in the industry. Um, I think another thing to point out is that one of the best ways to deal with burnout is prevention. And I think employers can definitely contribute to that. Um, you know, you can provide legal, like more than just legal breaks. Um, you know, you can provide adequate days off. You can check in with your staff regularly, not just when something is wrong or when someone's in a crisis. Um, you know, providing safe environments and normalizing open communication about stress. Um, discussions to clarify, you know, expectations and, and celebrating people's lives and hobbies and interests outside of work. I think oftentimes we get almost, you know, we'll, we'll bully people or, or say things that make people feel bad for having other parts of their life outside of work. And I think it's so important to celebrate those things and, and create different hobbies and interests outside of just the hospitality industry and just your job. Um, because I think it gets confusing when you start blending your identity with your job and with your role. And I think that there's so much, um, sorry if I have a poor connection. Um, anyways, that is what I just wanted to highlight is that I just think a lot of it needs to be about prevention as well. Hi, Hassel. I totally agree with you on that. And I think that um, there are things that uh, our employers can do, but also there are things that we can do for ourselves. Uh, as you know, for me, it's about achieving balance. And life balance to me, it's like Vietnamese food. Well, of course, I cook Vietnamese food. Um, so Vietnamese food is all about the balance of five elements like sweet, sour, spicy, salty, and bitter. And it's this balance of flavors that makes Vietnamese food so delicious. So in life, we need to have the five balance of the physical, mental, emotional, psychological, and intellectual. And so for me, I've got to have all of that in balance. You know, it's about starting my day with a routine, um, whether it be, you know, putting skincare routine on my face to take care of myself making ginger and ginseng tea that I have every morning, take my vitamins. Um, these are a part of self-care. And then I would sit in a quiet place and close my eyes and get in touch with my feelings. Like, how do I feel today? What's my energy and frequency level? If the level is low, then I may you know, adjust my schedule and not take on so much. When we are not intentional about our day, when we don't set boundaries, we can easily get trapped in the zone and get pulled into this overworked mode, overcommit ourselves. And all it takes is just maybe five, 10 minutes before we start our workday to be intentional and listen to our mind and body. Um, so we would be less likely to start our day aimlessly with no clear vision. Uh, this helps me to say no to people more easily when I have uh, clarity with my day. Can can I just piggyback on that? Chef Mimi, I'm starting the Chef Mimi fan club as of right now. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, um, it, 
I, I, I've loved how, how you've all framed uh, your perceptions of the issue. Um, in my sense, when we're talking about blaming the industry, um, I wouldn't go into saying um, that it's not merited what some of you have said, but to me, that's uh, powerless. Um, that, 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 that takes power out of you. And I'm all about empowerment. And I, lo I love what Chef Mimi said about all those, the five elements. I would boil down that down. I would take that down a little bit further. And it's what I, I want to uh, convey to you today, talk to you today about is, is about um, uh, the, the, the three elements, uh, the, our body, our mind, and our spirit, right? Um, or, or this word spirit can be changed for soul, like... Like Laura said, when she talked about uh, um, burnout being the erosion of the soul, and that's where I want to pay attention here. Um, I, I believe our next step in human evolution and is, is our attention to our consciousness. And I know that we all have two types of consciousness inside us. And we don't, probably we don't recognize uh, that we have to, because we we transit between those two, um, and we you are usually normally uh, almost our entire time in a in a in a in a mind consciousness, in a ego consciousness. We are working it out. We are doing what we have to do, solving. But when we are in those five minutes that Chef Mimi talked, that that I I might add, don't have to be only on on the on the morning could be any time of your day to balance you out. Um, and, and when we're doing activities that, that, that gets us like a, like a sport person will say in the zone. And for you, it could be like your job cooking, or it could be going to a concert, or it could be watching TV or, or hearing um, uh, uh, music. There's, there's some activity that gets you in that zone that 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 that's not your mind consciousness. That's another one. That's a more um, um, higher consciousness that comes out automatically. Well, I can I, I I believe there are ways, and we don't need to be on those moments to 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 be able to access that consciousness. We can learn how to identify it and 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 assess it in those five minutes. Chef Mimi talked about um, any time of the day, and 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 probably I wouldn't say not not feel burnout or stressed, but recognize it in the right way and be being able to treat it in less than thirty seconds, if I may say. Um, and I think I've talked too much. <laughs> no, Tito, thanks for that. Uh, just real quick, I want to uh, acknowledge uh, Paulo and Natasha on the stage. Come to you in just a moment and to get some of your thoughts. And, uh, and also uh, Lacey on the stage as well, who's hosting us here at the Hospitality and More. Thanks for that. Uh, I want to bring this, this focus back to the employer side of this. All right. And I want to lay some things down and then address this for a moment. And then I want to talk a little bit more about boundaries, which I think we're touching on, but I want to get a little bit more uh, down that rabbit hole and then also checking in some ways that we can practically check in. So 
for anybody who knows me, and if you don't, I am always trying to think about the superpowers that we have within restaurants, within the kitchen, within the front of house, within the bar, that we can deploy against things that we aren't historically that good at. And so I'm always trying to phrase it that way. Mental health, I've been talking a lot about mental health mise en place. How do we set our station? our personal and professional station, something that we do really well. We anticipate the needs of a given service and we address what we need uh, from equipment to food products, anything that we need. And so I wanna address that. We're good at making prep lists. How do we prep ourselves? How do we make itemized lists that lay out the things that we need? We prioritize that those lists. We know how to batch items. These are all things that we do really well that I think there's an opportunity for us to utilize and, and deploy against things that we haven't historically been good at. So I wanna lay those things out. We're good at, we're good at feeding each other. Yet how bad are we at feeding ourselves? And food being medicine, truly believe that. The fact that most of my meals have been eaten cold, standing up over a trash can, I have no chance that food will feed my body or my spirit or my mind if that's the way that I have set forth an expectation for myself, right? So those are the things I want to think about. We're really good at feeding our each, excuse me, we're really good at feeding our audience, our guests, our customers. We need to deploy that same approach, that same level of hospitality to each other. I want to just throw this out there. An employer's responsibility, it needs to be shifted, right? We, we're, we're in this very strange, like, post-capitalism society right now. We see a lot of things playing out, but very specifically, when Milton Friedman shifted the expectation and responsibility of a business to primarily feed its shareholders, a lot changed about the way that we set expectations. And I think the restaurant industry uh, was, was hit by that as well. Your first responsibility as a business is to your people. It always is and it always has been, especially in your, when you're in a relationship business, which we are in the relationship business. Right. We say the people business, we're in the relationship business. Every business is a people business because everybody sells something to a person. Right. And so the relationship business is interesting because no relationship ever in history was built by a product or a service. It was always and has always and will always be built by people. The space created in a restaurant, the food creating a similar preferences and tastes, absolutely. Those help to crystallize that. It is always the interpersonal people. So for me, I throw out there that an employer's responsibility is first to its people, second to its product, third to its guests, and fourth to its shareholders, whatever that might be, investors. So when we think about it that way, we start to change the way that we develop these businesses. And so Again, a lot of resources. I want to maybe leave just a minute or two more if anybody has some more thoughts on it. But that's what I wanted to lay out. We're going to have a ton of resources in the ways that you're setting policy and procedure from a fundamental level in the business. This is where it needs to happen. Mental health can't be if we have time because we never have time. If we have money because we never have money. It has to be built into the foundation of the business. So that is the responsibility that I will say that that a restaurant has, that a hospitality business has, how you create the details of that, 
how you manage that will be up to you individually and as a team and as a business. So any last thoughts on that uh, from the, the group as a whole? Otherwise, I do want to come to Paula and Natasha for a moment uh, since we did invite you up on stage. But anyone want to, want to jump in on that? I would just say um, maybe an easy way for chefs to start doing that is to incorporate it into their lineup or pre-shift, whatever you call it, and just have everybody check in and say, hey, you know, I did this today, or what'd you do on your days off? And just start to ask those basic little questions because then one, the team knows a little bit more about each other because the shy people won't talk. And also, hopefully it builds the confidence and um, you know, just a community to work better as a team. For me, I think, uh, you know, I think Patrick Mulvaney has something great going on out there in Sacramento with the I've Got Your Back program, um, and many of you already know about his, uh, his initiative. Uh, at Chow, we call it MIS, M-I-S-E, maintain interest in someone else. Uh, so since we're built on the backbone of the brigade system, let's borrow from their lexicon and say, who's got your six? So we take the uh, we take this this hierarchy that's in the brigade system and we smash it and we rely laterally on support from one another. So if I've got Hassel's back and Hassel's got Laura's back and Laura's got Tudo's back, right? None of us are the center, like the go-to, the one who has to be all things to everyone, but everybody's got each other's sixes. Thanks, Pass. Yeah, and I'll add with um, the organization and business's responsibility to, um, you know, prevent and mitigate the effects of burnout that one of the one of the most um, one of the clearest mitigating factors of burnout is when there are very clear expectations of what the job is, and how we are gold and what success looks like. So having a very clear picture and then effectively communicating what that is, like what a job description, like how many of us have entered the industry without a job description? Maybe you're just called bar manager. Maybe you're just called like lead or you're, you know, floor manager, but without very clear expectations of what your job is, that puts you in a really vulnerable and susceptible position to putting more out than you're able, than you're actually taking in. And that becomes workplace exploitation. And I think thinking about, you know, we can, you know, there's, there's a lot in this conversation about essentially building emotional intelligence, being, getting in touch with what our feelings are, better understanding our feelings, where they come from, preparing ourselves emotionally and mentally to, you know, move into a space that might be especially challenging. And these things are all so important in order to, you know, um, intervene early before burnout really sets in. And they're, you know, it's, they absolutely have to be practiced every day. But those, all of those things being aware of ourselves, you know, they can't really, at the end of the day, protect us from exploitation if we stay in that position, which a lot of people are quite trapped in their positions right now. So, you know, another thing worth mentioning about burnout is that it's not treatable. Like once you're in a burned out space, you can't really treat it. What works is leaving, having a new position, going to a different workspace is getting getting out of that altogether. It's like that, you know, turn your internet on and off again, that hard reset. So once you've had someone hit that place of burnout, there's kind of no going back to, you know, and to Hassel's point of, you know, the greatest um, thing that we can do for people is early intervention and prevention. Um, so in terms of business responsibility, 
taking the human, you know, I'm always going to be the advocate of like, well, treat people like human, treat human beings like human beings. Um, like let's not exploit and dehumanize people, you know, a thought, but from a business standpoint, if you have people who are actively burned out, they're not performing well, and then they're going to leave at the end of the day, that costs your business a lot of money. It is in the business best interest to not have people burned out. So creating systems like very clear job descriptions of what their expectations are is a very easy and thoughtful thing that you can do to not burn out your people. So yeah, that's Laura and I'm done speaking. Can I jump in real quick? I just really agree with what you said so much, Laura. And um, so if we can avoid burned out from happening at all, then um, it's important for us to find out the cause of our stress rather than just treating the symptoms. For example, if saying no to your boss for working on the weekends or on your day off stresses you out, then let's look at the root of the problem, that maybe we should be clear on our boundaries and we should learn how to say no when someone crosses that boundary. But most of us are afraid to say no to our boss because we're afraid of the consequences. So we're treating the symptoms, you know, which is our stress level, and more likely to use substance to temporarily treat the symptoms, but we're not digging deeper to know the causes of our stress. Yeah, uh, uh, this is pretty poignant uh, topic for me this week, and and uh, I'm working on probably a 15th, 16th shift in a row, and I'm tired. I'm not burnt out. I still like my job. I'm a little worried about the industry itself right now, and to speak to employer responsibility, um, you know, my boss is aware of that I'm having to work these extra shifts just because we're shorthanded, and I'm worried about the industry right now because the people that are here and love it are experiencing this. Well, we can't get the bodies that we need to do it, and and I, I'm fortunate to work for an owner that recognizes that. And we've even had to go to a place at the beginning of the pandemic where we had to say, "Look, we're going to have to close for a couple of days." I went to her and said, "We have to close because we're all too tired, and 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 we're going to burn out." And and she was able to agree with that, but. Um, you know, and even if we weren't shorthanded labor wise and can't find people to come in the door, what I've been thinking about is, you know, how do we schedule and over schedule ourselves for, for me in the restaurant, the way that I've done it for 30 years is run it as tight as you can. Um, I'm not going to have an entire extra body that I don't need, but there's, but then whenever things go wrong, then you're asking somebody to continue to work harder and harder and harder. And, you know, I'm in that position right now. Well, in order to keep running, I got to be here. So, you know, how do we, how do we navigate that in our budgets and say, you know what, maybe we need to hire who we need and then some so that we can have that quality of life. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I appreciate all of the suggestions and, and I'm fortunate enough to, uh, have the ability to spot it in myself. I've been doing this a long time. And when I start to get in that pre burnout stage and I know what to do about it, but um, I think a lot of people don't, and it's good to recognize it. And thanks for having the, the discussion. I'm done. 
Okay, thanks for sharing, Paulo. Natasha, I want to uh, get you in here. I appreciate you uh, raising your hand and coming up on the stage. And then do maybe we'll just run this for maybe another 15 minutes because we've talked about boundaries a little bit and checking in, but I want to dig down into those a little bit because I know there's some more practical things we can do. But Natasha, uh, please share what's on your mind. Yeah, thanks for inviting me up to the stage, Jensen. Great moderating. I am a huge Chef Mimi fan. We met in a different um, kind of industry room. I think we were talking about mental health. Big fan. She was the one who pinged me into this room. I myself am not in the food industry, but a big food lover. I am a um, resident pediatrician um, in the Bay Area. And as I was listening to everyone talk um, who are who's in the food industry, I was thinking, why aren't doctors and food industry workers and chefs better friends? Because we experience so many similar things. Having to make our business be a customer service business and please everyone and then toughen up behind the scenes, working 80 plus hours a week, things like that. And I just wanted to amplify what Chef Mimi said about being really, really intentional about how you structure your day and what you say yes to. Not all of us are in are as lucky as being able to sort of leave, you know, the organization we're working for and things like that. But I think that when you really think about and set time aside to think, does this real is this really worth it? Does this really matter to me that much? that I want to say yes to another project, that I want to put myself under more stress, under more hardship, and potentially put myself in the line of burnout for this project. Does that really matter so much to me? I think when you really sit down and ask yourselves those questions, that has really helped myself. Um, being a very young doctor, having been taken advantage of tons in my in my industry, um, and I would just like to thank all of you because I know that it's definitely not an easy industry to get into. And just thanking the women on this panel because I know being being a woman in this industry is also not easy. So thank you all, Natasha Dunn speaking. Natasha, you made my day. Thank you for pointing that out. I will tell you exactly why doctors and uh, people in the hospitality industry are better friends. And at the onset of this, I, I rattled off the mission uh, statement for best served is to amplify the worth and work of people who feed their community. The work side is unbelievably challenging, right? There's so many layers to the, the, the challenge therein. The worth, that's the part where I spend most of my time. We, we, we do not understand our value our worth we diminish ourselves we just we're just cooks you know we we call ourselves island of misfit toys band of rebels pirates and look there's there's unity and kind of galvanizing and finding your people yet it puts us in a place where we're always expected that at some point we're going to grow up and get a real job and the reality is you look at our industry in a lot of ways it isn't a real job yet some of us believe in it and want to build something that is a viable outcome to be able to a path to be able to have you know 65 year old line cooks getting ready to retire because they put 40 years on the line and we invested in them so they could put 2.5 kids through college get the gold watch and the pension whatever your american dream might be and that's just not been a reality and so that self-worth side because i absolutely believe we should be uh, uh commiserating with doctors and anybody else because we matter you know, essential during this pandemic doesn't even begin to cover somebody who's willing to commit themselves to feeding another human being, the purest form of hospitality that you can imagine, that needs to be uh, put on a pedestal 
And we need to build that pedestal with a foundation of things that invest in people, their mental health, their physical health, their financial health. And that's, you know, that's why we're having this room. So boundaries and and checking in. I want to talk about that to end this room because I want to be uh, thoughtful of everybody's time. Boundaries. I, I heard of a boundary plan for the first time as we were doing prep, kind of talking back and forth with the panelists of this. I had never heard of a boundary plan. I didn't know that that's something I should write down. And I said, Jensen, you talk about writing prep lists. Write a boundary plan prep list. So that's one thing. Um, and then the checking in, I want to just throw out there and, and echo specifically what uh, Melinda said. I got your back, Patrick Mulvaney. I love the little box. I'm just going to paint a picture for you. They have a tiny little, little shoe box. It, it looks like a, a third grader's uh, art project. And it's got a bunch of different colors on the outside of it. And there's four different colors. And each of the colors represents your mood for that day, where you're at. You drop anonymously, drop uh, that color into the box, and there's somebody responsible that day to check out everybody's responses. And during pre-shift, say, here's the features, here's what we're low on, here's 86, and here's the, the mood, the temperament of, of our team. How are we going to support each other to make sure that people who shit hits the fan and the shit always hits the fan so those are a couple things i wanted to throw out there uh, anything else in these last minutes boundaries specific things that we can do checking in what do you guys got for me hi uh, chef jensen i wanted to um quickly piggyback on what natasha said um you made my day as well for your share we are in an industry that views seeking help as a weakness we need to destigmatize the word mental health, destigmatize the need to seek help to have therapy, uh, like if there's something wrong with you, if you are seeking for a therapist. Uh, I would like to see a future where everyone would have a therapist as a way of life, like one would have as a you know, primary physician, and that it would be covered by insurance, and that everybody would, you know, uh, be able to to have the preventative method before it goes, uh, you know, to the point of no return. I'd love to jump in just following what Mimi was saying. This is Rebecca. Um, such a wonderful conversation. Sorry, just wanted to say that first off. Thank you, Jensen, and, and I think Mimi it was who invited me in here. But in terms of just intention and checking in, uh, I'd love to speak on that as that self-awareness really goes hand in hand. And the deeper our self-awareness is, the easier and quicker we can also regulate and connect and feel our emotions. And I love that little box you were saying there, Jensen, with the colors of how are the moods within the um, office space or restaurant, wherever you are working today. And how is everyone feeling? Because it is in that moment where checking in with ourselves, there will be connection to our self-love and our alignment and mind, body, spirit, because everything is in connection there. And what do I need? Like, what do I need in this very moment right now? Or what can I do for myself to support myself or show myself um, some more love if you're in a stressful environment or within a work or like you were saying when the shit is about to hit the fan 
um, it's really it's really based on that connection thing to see. And I always go to, you know, the, the five start elements or the habits, food, drink, sleep, water. And I understand you can't just walk away from work, but if you need to take that two minutes outside and do a breathing exercise and connect to yourself to regulate or, um, bring some relief to a very high blood pressure, your heart is pounding or you're feeling um, some anxiety and an anxiety attack perhaps coming on, do connect to your breath because it is in, within our body that we can regulate our stress and our triggers uh, emotionally through breath work. So thank you for that. Rebecca, I appreciate that. You'll, you'll enjoy next week, next uh, Sunday, same time. We'll be talking about walk-in dynamics and some of the things, good and bad, that have happened, could happen in the walk-in. And uh, Laura specifically talks about how the walk-in it cools your body temperature, allows you the opportunity to actually cool down, literally and and metaphysically. So uh, appreciate that. Uh, do want to leave again. We, we're a couple minutes after the hour. Do want to leave maybe a moment if anybody else wants to touch on specific things that we can be doing around uh, around boundaries. Or checking in that we could actually take all of the all of the thinking and approach and methodology we've talked and actually apply to something in our day to day. And then just wanted to give everyone a, a sixty seconds each of the panelists to kind of take us out. Anything we didn't touch on, anything you want to make sure people are aware of, any work that you're doing that people need to be paying paying attention to. If there's a, if there's a plug there, please please do that. Uh, this is the kind of plug that I am happy to create space for but uh, just a, a minute or two anybody else on boundaries or checking in before we kind of do some outros yeah i would love to say something about boundaries i have something to say about boundaries so um interestingly with burnout a way that people um who are encountering the beginning phases of burnout and kind of in that cynicism space that dehumanization space is social connection can really help um, intervene before like the full, full, let's, you know, full burnout really comes into, into play. So that's really interesting because, you know, you mentioned Jensen about how relationship driven this industry is. So experiencing social connection can really help sort of calm the effects of, um, early burnout stages. The problem with that though, is that our industry as much as we are connected, as much as it's relationship driven, the intimacy sometimes can like actual connection, like real intimacy can be really challenging to achieve. And there's plenty of reasons for that from, you know, codependency and perfectionistic patterns and trauma and all of that, that we can go into at another time. But in terms of boundaries around that, I see how people in the hospitality industry can get so burned out so easily because if we are naturally seeking social support and social connection from people, but it's a very surface level social connection, that makes us very susceptible. I mean, I'm going to come back to that exploitation piece to be exploited. So boundaries around using the term family in the hospitality industry, like when we refer to groups that work together as family that makes us that we are craving because we're encountering burnout 
we start craving that social support and then make that makes it easily e- too easy to exploit people well we're a family well you know we take care of each other we're a family but you know I, it was mentioned earlier about i think it was i think it was tara when like and you were going to have a baby and they were like, well, have a nice life. Oh, we're a family, but also have a nice life, you know? So something businesses can do and boundaries that we can put up is recognize that the workplace is a workplace that is not our family. And that, yes, within the workplace, we can care for each other. We can support each other. We can have love for each other. It shouldn't be so radical that in the workplace we hope for each other's growth and exceptional well-being and all of that stuff, but it's not family. Family is a different thing. And so creating a boundary around work and those special pieces that our family, you know, biological or chosen is really important. And that has to happen from both sides, both from the worker and from the organization. So thinking about that you know, and not giving more than you have because quote, quote, family needs it. It's a workplace. And you're at the end of the day, trading your skill set and time for money so that you can survive in this capitalist world. So it's not family. And that's a very, very solid boundary that anyone listening really, I, I really encourage you to practice that boundary and to not use the term family when talking about the workplace. I'm done speaking. I love that so much, Laura. Thank you so much for making that point about family. It's said way too often in this industry. Um, I think truly you, uh, like burnout really does come down to boundaries. I I really believe that. Um, I really find in this industry there's not enough um, emphasis or encouragement or understanding or acceptance of healthy boundaries. And so burnout is virtually guaranteed. And it, that's why it's so common. That's why so many of us are all, you know, feeling like this resonates and this is such a relevant topic. And, you know, that's not a coincidence. A lot of it also comes down to the oppressive systems in which our industry are, is built on. Um, but, you know, I think many of us were never taught how to communicate assertively. And so finding your own voice and using your own voice is a terrifying, scary, difficult thing to do. So I think if anyone's listening and feels that way, I just want to highlight how much of a natural experience that is. And I, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to practicing and small bite-sized ways, you know, so it's a weak muscle. If we acknowledge it's a weak muscle, then we need to strengthen it slowly, but surely. And over time, you know, maybe that starts with small things like asking for a schedule change that better benefits your lifestyle. Um, you know, oftentimes the only way to really treat burnout is by making lifestyle changes. Um, nothing changes if nothing changes. So things have to shift in one way or another when, you're finding yourself with burnout. Um, And, you know, if you're feeling afraid of coming across as rude or disrespectful, you know, um, because you want to communicate and self-advocate, you know, your own needs, um, that's okay. But you still have to kind of do it, you know, anyways, because your own wants and needs are important. And like Jensen said earlier, we, we all have value, we all have worth, and we all need to take the best care of ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, because otherwise, absolutely, we're going to keep finding ourselves having these conversations about burnout in the future. Again, that's it for me. 
All right. Thank you, everybody. What a, what a great conversation. I do want to give everyone, like I said, just a minute, just what, what uh, wasn't we need to, and once again, uh, resources, 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 practical applications to everything that we've been talking about will be in description of the episode on noon Eastern time. You can check that out try and put these things, these things into action. But I want to go around the table and let everyone uh, just take us out. Tara, if you want to kick us off there. Sure. Thank you, Chef. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I wanted to say that I think wasn't really touched on, or it was a little bit, but we need to really stop the encouragement of the short-term um, solutions like drinking and drugs and substance abuse <clears throat> because it is still so prevalent. And, you know, the last place I worked at, the most anticipated restaurant in the world every day before we started a shift we had what was called board meetings for the managers and so we all took a shot of Fernet together one of them ended up becoming a full-blown alcoholic and having seizures at work like it but they allowed it and i've seen so many restaurants allow drink you know shift drinks and all that and the encouragement of that short-term solution rather than finding out what the real problem is that's what we need to start doing so thank you for letting me share Yes, um, as for me, um, I agree with Laura when you mentioned about social connection, um, which magnifies more in hospitality because when you're working, you're surrounded by this crazy fast-paced environment, which, like Laura said, can be addicting to folks who are alone because we find this kitchen quote-unquote family that makes us feel a sense of belonging. And when we come home, you know, some of us might find ourselves alone. And so although we're exhausted, but we look forward to going back to that family because that might be the only one we have. So it's really important for us to expand our lives to not limit to just our work. We need to keep, uh, keep in touch with our friends and our loved ones and try to create a life outside of our work. It could only enrich our lives and ourselves as people, not just as chefs or cooks. Oh, I love that. And, you know, Hazel touched on that as well, the identity piece of, you know, really diversifying within ourselves, you know, who we are and understanding who we are in our identities. In this industry, it's so easy to lose yourself in the identity of bartender or chef, you know. You fall in love with people who also work in the industry. They're your friends, you know, that's your social life outside of work. And it's so easy to lose those other, you know, identities that we all carry, be it, you know, parent, child, sister, friend, you know, hobbies that we identify with, you know, musician, whatever that looks like. So the more we can invest in ourselves so that we carry multiple identities within our singular personhood, the more we're protected when something isn't going the way we want it to, like experiencing burnout at work. Um, so that's a really, really great point to bring up. But I just want to, you know, thank you, Jensen, for um, for the space with this, for talking about this. It's, you know, one of my favorite subjects to talk about. And I think it's so important. Um, if people are listening, you can find me at um at healthy.poor on instagram laura louise green on instagram with dots in between my names or healthypoor.org um reach out if you need help so thank you very much 
I'll go next. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you again to Jensen for hosting us and organizing us and Chef Mimi as well for moderating. And I, I, I just want to end on, you know, the, the point that Mimi was making, uh, I think, and then Laura too about social connection. And when making these connections, when trying to build these relationships and these connections outside of work or inside of work, um, to lean into the vulnerability in whatever way you can, because vulnerability is so contagious and it is what strengthens our bonds and our intimate relationships. It is what also gives us strength. Oftentimes we have this very confused idea about vulnerability, um, but it truly is a strength, you know, uh, seeking and accepting help is a strength. And, um, if you're looking, yeah, for more information on these topics, um, not nine to five on Instagram at not nine to five underscore. The website is www.not9to5.org. The nine and the five are numbered. And um, you can, if, if you wouldn't mind, you can also take a few minutes and fill out a survey. We're now in the middle of building a comprehensive uh, research study on this, you know, on our industry related to mental health and substance use challenges. So if you go to our website and you click take the survey, I will be eternally grateful. Um, thank you so much for having me. And I hope you all, you know, can um, take into consideration everything that's been shared here today, because I think everyone shared absolutely incredible information. So thank you, everyone on the panel as well. And Dr. Katrina, do you want to go ahead and uh, give us your last thoughts and, and where we can connect with you? Yes, um, thank you for uh, inviting me uh, to be on this panel to share about how to prevent burnouts and everything. Uh, it's important that we all take care of ourselves and everything. But if you could find me on uh, on uh, Instagram, um, Dr. Katrina on Instagram, as well as um, any other platform, I'm here as a um, mental health advocate to uh, professional to help y'all. So. I'm Dr. Katrina, and I'm done for now. Thanks, Jensen, once again. And Tuto, last thoughts, and where can we find you? Well, I can first, I can only feel gratitude for you guys making me part of this. Um, I, I feel I'm better and more by everything you guys have shared. And to close out, I would think, what I would like people to leave to prevent burnout is two things. First is self-care. You got to take care of yourself and know what that means and how to do that. And the other word I would say is empowerment. You are powerful. You are not a victim. That's uh, the more you do to understand that and become aware and conscious of that and what that means. And that's part of what I'm here to help you. I, I am available at um, tutotaveras at gmail.com and you can go to our Spanish um, recovery site. I'm part of LARA, which is a Latino recovery advocacy. We advocate uh, for every material that's available for recovery and mental health to be available in Spanish. So um, we 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 care for the equity in with minorities, and that's what our work is about. So um, whenever you feel any Spanish um, 
speaking um, necessi necessities in, in terms of recovery, ladarecovery.org is the website. And once again, thank you guys for letting me be here. Such an honor to have all of you on the panel, everyone who's tuning in now, everyone who tuned in throughout. Uh, truly grateful. This is uh, the seeds of change that we really need. For me personally, one of the things that I've been counting on myself for uh, is addressing my own past culpability and things, the way that uh, I have navigated the industry, if that can be a model of learning both what to do and not to do is something that I'm willing to be vulnerable and share. And so that's something personally I'm doing as well as uh, I do a couple things. Maybe this helps somebody. It's okay to be a tough guy and be on a meditation app. Just so you know, uh, I breathe for eight minutes and count my breaths just to slow my mind down. And I think little things like that can help us professionally. What you can count on myself and best served and Sophie Breaker here who's recording is on the media side, we're going to acknowledge you. No matter what level, at what part of this industry you are on, we do that especially through our blog platform where we've hosted uh, dozens of people now who've never been asked to participate because their view supposedly didn't matter. And I truly believe that it does because we in, as an industry are the culmination of millions of humans experience. And so I want to uh, celebrate that and create space for that, as well as we are now working on what we call workplaces worth working and where we're really trying to, again, instill this type of thinking that we've been talking about today, the support into the foundation of businesses so that it is no longer an afterthought if it's even thought about at all. So those are the ways that you can count on us. Go to bestservepodcast.com, at bestservepodcast, connect with me directly. And uh, people are always surprised when they reach out. I will reach back out. And in three weeks, you'll have an article up and you get to share your truth because people don't get acknowledged enough and they don't believe when somebody really, really wants to hear them and understand them. And that's what I'm committed to. And I know everybody here is committed to. So thank you all for spending some time with us. I appreciate you all with that. We're going to go ahead and end this room. Have a great rest of your day panel. Thank you so much to each of you and to all of you. Thanks for listening to the best served podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at best served podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes. 